1: Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited today to be joined by host of the Shawnee Show on Believe, Shawnee Suisa. Shawnee talks about how she became a UFC fan and reporter, taking creative into her own hands, practicing within a niche, and so much more. This is a really fun and inspiring episode, so let's get to it. Shawnee, thank you so much for joining me today for Get My Job. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. I'm so excited to be here. I love this.
2: This is, it's such an awesome concept.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Well, with that in mind, let's jump on in. And if you could start by taking us through your professional journey, because I know you have a very interesting journey and it was like, you know, a lot of different paths to get to where you are. So I would love to share that with our listeners.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I, it, you know, it started, my main focus really started in video. I loved video since I was 10, 11 years old. I've been editing videos. I remember my first client was a family friend who had a spa, and I put together a little montage for them for sales. And I just I fell in love. When I realized that the same editing mechanisms that you use for some sort of uh, photo montage was the same that people used in TV in order to cut between different scenes, it was mind blowing to me. And I remember being a little kid, figuring that out and being really excited that I could make movies on iMovie at the time. Uh, so that that's really where it all started. And then it, it just sort of went from there. I studied communications in Israel. Uh, that's where I, I got my degree. And I did a specialty in visual content, again, continuing with sort of the video theme. But there was a radio class that I absolutely fell in love with. I, I loved the idea of audio and I'd been a huge podcast listener. So when when the opportunity presented itself a few years later to go down the audio route, I I jumped on it and I became Mm -hmm. a podcast producer and that's been my main focus ever since. And now I uh, host The Shawnee Show, which has been awesome.
1: So tell everybody about The Shawnee Show and kind of what you're, what you talk about and how that interest began.
2: Yeah, The Shawnee Show is really a passion project of mine. I started a podcast a few years ago about reality TV and a big intention of mine starting that, which it's called the Saniac podcast, if anybody is, is interested. A big intention when I started that was this idea of practicing within a niche. So I'd be able to launch my own show and feel confident to be able to do that and uh, be able to sort of streamline a workflow that would work for me and practice that through Saniac to be able to get here. So it's something that I've been working towards for a while. And it's just, you know, it's my, it's, Anything I'm interested in—it's—it's my passion. So it's something that I, I, you know, I want to sit down with people that I'm actually fascinated by. People I want to have conversations with, um, and we speak about everything. And I also do solo episodes because you know there's, there's, when you're interviewing, there's that dynamic where you're trying to really let that person speak, but I have a lot to say as well. So I like to do solo episodes and I like to balance those out and it's been a really good time. We do video and audio. So we're up on YouTube and all the podcast platforms. And I mean, I'm just, I'm just having a blast. I had Gary V on, I had Jennifer Cohen on, we had Maude on, I'm having Chuck Liddell on on Monday, Floster Domus, Matt Stefanina. Um, so some really, really cool guests and I uh, I can't wait to keep going with it.
1: So as you built your platform and you have built relationships, what advice would you have for someone? Because starting a podcast, the cool thing about starting a podcast is you could just start a podcast. But when you have guests on, and you were talking about many of the guests that you have coming on, we have a lot of guests on this podcast, obviously, or we have guests every week on this podcast, and that's relationship building. And having people come on and building your know, reputation and being good at your job, kind of what tips do you have for building those types of relationships and for getting those reps that get people excited to come on?
2: It's a great question. A really great question because it is a difficult balance between uh, asking for what you want and really reach out, reaching out to people and also being tasteful and not being um, too abrasive or uh, messaging someone 10 times in one day kind of a thing. Like you have to find that balance for sure when reaching out to different guests to come on. But I, I think the biggest piece of advice would be something in regards to mindset, which is this you know, people have this idea that if your platform is not Hundred thousand followers or a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube or one million or whatever it is that you can't reach out to a certain level of guest yet, and I think that that is just a load of BS, if I may mm-hmm. say so myself. You know, you, you may, <laughs> you <laughs> thank you. You really wanna you want to go out there, get the guests that you want to have on, and that's uh, not a mistake I made at the beginning because I I, I really went for some awesome guests pretty early on. I mean, we're still early on. I only launched in February. But something I learned from the Gary V episode that's, that was huge for me mentally was that I don't need to wait until I have, you know, a few months of, of episodes in or if I have the certain amount of practice or the certain following or the certain this to be able to interview these people. I know I have the skill set, so just go out and do it. And I think that everyone needs to have that mentality because that's also gonna help you grow exponentially faster as well if you're if you're reaching out to the big people. But but just don't be afraid. Don't and and you know, even not big people, like there's a lot of really fascinating people out there that people are scared to reach out to because they put them in in a different category. Like it could be a professor with no social media, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but they think of this person as like this scary intellect that's intimidating and they can't get after them. Find their email. They probably have a .edu email from, from the university. Find their email, reach out to them. People are so much more accessible than people realize. And especially if you're doing remote you know, I don't love remote episodes that much, but if I was doing remote episodes, I'd be reaching out to the craziest of guests. To get someone on Zoom, it's like you know, the workload there, the the entry, the barrier to entry is so so small. It's so quick. You can really access people that way. So I highly recommend just going for it is, is really a piece of advice.
1: And I think something that's happening so much in, in our industry is women helping women and, and we're not being competitive with each other and we're helping build each other up. And of course, that's very much the concept of this podcast. But I have found when I reach out to people, no matter who they are, and from, from the beginning of starting this podcast that launched in September of 2019, and from the beginning of starting this podcast, I can only think of one human being who ever said no. And really? that's true also of The Tracy Sandler Show, which is my other show that I have, and it's that's more of a sports and lifestyle podcast, same thing. Everyone Actually, in that case, I haven't had anyone say no yet. So people do want to help. People do want to talk about the industry, want to talk about what they're doing, want to talk about how they can help other people, how we can help each other. So I think that's really good advice is to not be afraid because the worst also that can happen is that a person does say no Mm -hmm. and it's okay. Nothing, nothing bad will happen from that. You just move on to the next. Don't you find
2: that they're saying no because they just don't, they're not like comfortable or they're not in a moment or in a time where they want to share their, it's not like they're saying no because, oh, they're rejecting your podcast. It's more just kind of a personal decision from them. Yes. you know, just remember that. And I, I think that's such great advice. Like just go for it. What's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to turn you down. Well, you didn't have them on before anyway. So. Right. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So you're really <laughs> in no, in no worse place yeah. than you were before that actually happened. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit of UFC, uh, cause I would love to know how you got interested in UFC. We had Megan Alevi on this podcast and I'm a big fan of hers and, and she's her. amazing and I would just love to know kind of the genesis of that and it's a sport that I'm not I'm somewhat familiar with but not as familiar with so would just love to know how that became an interest and, and how you got into that whole world
2: you know it's funny because I I've now gone back and watched so much of the UFC so I feel like I've been a fan for so long but I'm mm-hmm. quite a recent fan it's maybe even four years five years it's I don't really remember the time frame because the pandemic kind of messed everything up. So I'm always like right. thinking that I'm only a fan for a couple of years, but then I, I'm not counting 2020 or 2021 right. or now. So it was like, it was like a couple of years before Corona kind of hit was when I started dabbling, but that was a little bit more casual. I wasn't mm-hmm. as invested watching, you know, the press and media and things like that and, and getting really involved in sort of the fighter storylines, if you will. But what got me, and it's funny because I've always been a huge fan of competition reality TV. That's why I started the Saniac podcast. That's mm-hmm. what we essentially were recapping. And it was The Ultimate Fighter. That show hooked me. I watched a season. Well, what happened was I watched Connor McGregor's, like, one of his little mini docs. I don't think it was the big one yet. I think it was just an episode of something. Okay. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I found The Ultimate Fighter it may have been suggested to me. I don't re- remember how I stumbled upon it. But then I saw one of the options for the seasons was Ronda Rousey coaching against Misha Tate. And I saw, you know, all these girls in this poster and they all looked so mm-hmm. freaking badass. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to watch this. Mm-hmm. So I I, I I finished the season in a couple of days, maybe max. I probably watched it all the way through, actually, if I'm being honest. And it just had me. It had me from the get go. It looked so cool. I loved the sport. You know, I always had, a, a like, a passion for boxing when I would watch it. Not necessarily – it's not necessarily something that, like, I would follow at all. But whenever I saw female boxing movies, like, anything along those lines, I always felt some sort of connection to it. I just liked the idea. Like, I always felt like a fighter internally, so I thought this was quite cool as a sport. But, yeah, that season – that season is amazing, by the way. People should watch it. And that hooked me right away. And then I I watched the other season that had the girls in it, um, which was, I think, the Straw weights. And then I watched the flyweight season, mm-hmm. um, which was also the the female season. I watched all of those. And then I just started watching all the fights. I watched like every strawweight championship fight. I watched all of Joanna's fights, all of Misha's fights, all of Ron's. Like I just went through and watched all these fights and it really did stem from the women. And it's not that I don't like watching guys fight, but there's something when you, like it was a personal thing for me when I was, I felt connected to that.
1: And so how were you able to take that and turn it into something that you essentially cover now?
2: That really started from Ariel Helwani's show. Do you know Ariel? I do not. So he's he's amazing. He's like the the Mac Daddy, if you will, of all <laughs> MMA media broadcasting. Like he's been in this for so long since he was, I think, in college, really. And he's been covering it since it was it was less respected as a sport. So I always feel like people who started at that time they have a serious passion for it. But it was his show. He has a show on Spotify Live, which is one of those social audio apps. It's the Spotify. Mm-hmm app, they purchased an app called locker room and then it turned into green room, which is at the time what I was on. And now it's mm-hmm. Spotify live. And I just stumbled on it from clubhouse. Cause I was, I was pretty active on clubhouse. So when Spotify bought locker room, all, a lot of the clubhouses went on, um, and we like made our green room accounts, whatever. So I got notifications cause I had followed Ariel's account at some point and I got notifications that he was going live and I didn't join for a few months. And then in December I was just home one night after fights And I got the notification and I popped in and I finally made it on time because sometimes I would click the notification and not get until the room was over for an hour or two. And I finally made it on time. And then I raised my hand to go and speak. Then I finally made it onto the stage. And and then I just started talking and we, it was, I mean, it was just from there. And from that, I was exposed to so much more of the press. And that was, you know, uh, Chuck Mendenhall, who's on the team as well, PC Carroll, and they're both writers and uh, heavily involved in MMA media. And so I was exposed to that. And then I, I was just like, you know what, why not? You know, I work for the Jewish Journal and the podcast director. We can get media passes and press passes to a lot of things. So I just applied through the UFC portal and I got it and I applied to an event. And I was like, Girl, let's see how this goes. And I got uh-huh. that. And then I just went and I covered it and it was so much fun. I, I had a blast.
1: What would you say? And this is kind of a strange question, but I think <laughs> it, it's interesting for those of us who do cover sports. I think we all have kind of our favorite moments, favorite parts of the job. What would you say are your or maybe there's more than one favorite part of the sport that just really draws you in?
2: It's the hug after round 4 before round 5 of Joanna versus Wiley Won. It it was like I I started to cry, <laughs> Tracy. I can't even explain it. I, uh. Tears were streaming down my face. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever watched. And then the stark disparity and that that shift in how amazing that fight was put to the, the male main event and how horrendous it was. They threw like two punches the entire mm-hmm. fight. That whole thing and that hug and that moment, like just amazing. Zoomed in and zoomed out at that moment it was just incredible.
1: So when you started, which has just been really the last several months, and you started to either, you know, listen to yourself on the podcast or watch yourself on the videos and ask for feedback, did you get any kind of constructive criticism that was helpful to you? Or were you able to learn kind of who you listen to and who you don't?
2: Um... I don't know if I have been active enough within the space, specifically within MMA, to elicit that kind of criticism. Or maybe there just has not been enough eyeballs on everything because it's a lot of my friends and family who, you know, I mean, they're going to tell me things. Like my sister, for my interviews, she always tells me, let them finish speaking, which is something that I'm always working on and just get a little overly excited about things. Um, But, you know, that's something that's definitely very important, but that's not necessarily directly related to my coverage of sports. I, I think the biggest... The biggest realization, or the biggest—it wasn't really a criticism. It was more of a uh, like a, a compliment, if you will. Was the fact that I didn't look like I was nervous when I was at that first press conference, mm-hmm. and that just shifted my whole perspective on. Okay, I could, I can handle this. I just need to breathe more because for me, I was like shaking. I was so trembly. So it was an internal criticism of myself that you know I like hold on to something so you're not trembling on on live TV, and then having the feedback of don't worry. It didn't even look like you were trembling made me realize like, all right, I can do this. Like just chill out, Sean. It's fine. You know, live on Facebook, it's no different. So.
1: Our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest odds news and sports development, including this year's basketball championship finals, the NHL hockey conference finals, major league baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. But that's great and I think that's an important thing to highlight for our listeners that we're always going to be our own worst critics and we're always going to be the hardest on ourselves. And we need to give ourselves a break Mm -hmm. and remember that a lot of the things that we do worry about, no one else ever knows. But I kind of want to go back to what your sister said, because I think that's also really good advice and wanted to highlight that because I think a lot of times as reporters, we do get really excited about an interview or someone's talking and they say something, we want to ask the follow-up question and Mm -hmm. it's important to let them finish the thought and it's just it's not just listening it's hearing them and then responding and so I think your sister saying that whether it is completely for sports coverage or just for life I I wanted to highlight that because I do think it's really important
2: Uh, absolutely even for just regular life when you're sitting and you're having conversation with someone at coffee or wherever it's an important thing to remember you know, I'm, I'm thinking of something else, though, that I will um, say that I thought was really great advice was from Ariel on one of his shows afterward, yeah. which was to not take things personally. Because while I was approved very easily for that event for the UFC, uh, I have not been approved for future events as easily. And so, you know, he he made it pretty clear and pretty known. He's like, don't take it personally. And this is just the hustle. And, it, you know, everyone starts somewhere. And so I think it's important for people to realize that as well. Um, but, you know, it's all. It's all perspective. And, I, and I'm, I'm one of those people who's really happy to take the opportunities that come my way. But I'm not someone who is dying to force things either. You know, if I really, really want something, I'll make it happen in a creative way instead mm-hmm. of bashing my head against, you know, a glass ceiling that I feel like isn't going to break.
1: Do you have an example of the time that you've done that?
2: Well, so for example, with this, like I would love to be going to more live events, but I've had a couple deals sort of fall through with different media companies where I would be covering for them and things like that. And instead of going that route and trying to gain my leverage, um, well, and trying to go that route without really having any leverage. I'm now inviting more fighters onto my podcast. Like I'm having Chuck Liddell on. He's a freaking Hall of Famer, absolute icon, going to be in my studio on Monday. And so if I can start doing more of that and doing, uh, coverage in a creative way and things that I really want to do and that I have control over and that I can do you know I can organize this and set it up nobody's stopping me so um, going that route I think I really love that's what I mean that's what I love about the internet though I love that about yeah. podcasting I love that about content you can take your ideas and your creative into your own hands and you don't really have to wait
1: I like that and the idea of taking creative into your own hands is really important and that's really something I mean this podcast and you being on it is Really, those are examples of that. I mean, fangirl was something I started and and started covering the 49ers and within a year was credentialed by the team, but it was because I took it into my own hands and created a space and a platform and a place to cover the team. And then obviously we've expanded much beyond that, but that is the really cool thing. And I like the idea of, of taking the creative into your own hands. And I wonder if for our listeners, you would have any sort of tips for not getting discouraged. Because sometimes when you are taking the creative <laughs> in your own hands, you're, you're very proud of something you've built and you're like, okay, but now what? And And really kind of tips on maybe enjoying the journey and to not get frustrated because the opportunities will come, but creating them is such a big part of that.
2: It's hard. You know, it's hard to not get discouraged along the way, especially if this is your fourth or fifth or sixth project that you've been working on and trying to push through that, you know, hasn't really hit yet. Mm-hmm. But something that I always cherish for myself is that I really enjoy all of these things as much as I'm not crazy about the post-production and editing and doing all my video work my social work and all of that I'm I'm decent at it and I can get it done pretty well and I just got this new super max whatever computer so hopefully things will (laughs) be moving faster so I don't mind doing that but I really love the process of everything else like I love interviewing people I love talking to people I love being on camera I love talking to myself you know in the camera Mm -hmm. and doing solo episodes and building a community that's really fun for me, messaging people, getting people in my Telegram group chat. Like I love doing all that stuff. And so for me, you know, it's something that I actually really want to do. And as someone who's worked with a lot of podcasting clients, a lot of times they stop after four or five episodes, they realize that's actually not something that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. So my best advice is actually figure out first, if you really are going to enjoy the journey because unless you're starting with a platform, building a platform can be really difficult and it can be hit or miss. So you might hit in the first year, you might hit in year 10 and you never really know. And so if you're not actually enjoying yourself throughout that, like unless you're dying to be some sort of content creator for some weird reason and don't mind going through that 10 years thing, I I would say you really do want to enjoy it. And I would dabble in shallow water first. So let's say you want to start a podcast, go do a social audio show. See if you like that, you know, do do a Twitter space show or a Spotify live show or a clubhouse show, put that up every week. All you need to do any of those social audio shows is a cell phone. You can be lying in your bed and doing it super, super easy. So you don't have to buy any sort of mics or any of this, invest money into it, invest time into setting up a studio, whatever it is. You can just do this. See if you like it. See if you like the rhythm. If you do commit more, you know, if you want to start a video show, start by filming on your phone, start by, you know, like just, just do things to see if you're actually going to like it with the base and don't invest a ton of, unless cash is no object, in which case also hit me up to invest in things. (laughs) 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 But, but if it is, and if it's, you know, if cash and time are of the essence to you and you want to invest them wisely, yeah, do things like that first and see if you like them because you're right. You really have to enjoy the journey. Otherwise you will get discouraged. And I don't think that there is any sort of magic pill for that other than actually liking it.
1: Yeah, I think that's 100% true. And you bring up time, and time is a finite resource. And it's it's one that we have to see as very valuable. So we want to put our time and effort into the things that we do enjoy and that we do think will bring opportunities that are going to fulfill us and, and further us in the ways that we want them to. So I think that's really, really good advice. Uh, so mm-hmm. let's talk. You brought up social media. So let's talk a little bit of social media. It is a whole world. And it's, there are so many benefits to it for all of the reasons that we just talked about but it certainly has its downfalls as well. How do you deal with those? And and do you have any ways that you were able to tune out some of the negative? Do you welcome the negative? Everybody handles it so differently that I'd love to ask our guests kind of their mindset on it.
2: It's funny. When the negatives are so extreme, they're very easy to ignore. You know, I've gotten messages like, die, Jew, die. And what am I going to do with that? (laughs) Useless. Who who cares? But when the messages are not that extreme, but they're just a little bit off, like they're critical and they kind of touch on something, and it it can hurt a little more, and it can be a little more devastating internally to read that kind of stuff. But I, I I personally, I I love that I haven't blown up, you know, too big just yet because I've had a lot of practice with getting that at a slower rate. So when I had my little spurt on Clubhouse, I was getting a lot of DMs and things like that, and I held an entire Israel-Palestine room for 13 hours. So there was many a death threat during that 13-hour period. And, and there's been like a lot of moments where I've been able to sort of take that in spurts. And I think that's yeah. helped build up my tolerance to see what some people are potentially exposed to on a daily level. And, I, and it's all kind of about ignoring it, in my opinion. Like you really can't care about the opinion of people who don't actually know you Mm -hmm. But I will say that it's important to have people around you that do know you whose opinion you do care about. Mm -hmm. If my good friend, if one of my best friends whom I I cherish and I appreciate and I value and I respect, if they think that something's off with me, if they're like, Shawnee, what's up with your head? It's getting huge. Chill out, calm down, ground yourself. Let's, you know, let's get back to reality here. Then that to me would mean something significantly more. Or if, you know, I, I went on a ridiculous rant or something on a podcast and maybe I just went a little overboard and mm-hmm. one of my really good friends or, uh, an old professor or someone whom I cherish and respect in that way said something to me, then I might, I might think about it. Maybe I still disagree, but I would actually internalize it. I would think about it I'd process it. I'd be like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. but to care about what people who don't even know you, like they've never even met you. They don't, they don't know you what mm-hmm. they're going to comment on one clip or one, this or one that. I, you can't care. You have to, I think you even have to really ignore it. I just swipe and delete. I think
1: this really is the best, you know, the best we can do. And everybody does handle differently. Some people do like to respond and, and it's just, it's a very personal thing, but finding what's best for you is the most important thing. And if the best thing for you is to ignore it, then that is the best thing. I tend to ignore it for the most part as well. Every so often I'll Mm. respond to something, but for the most part, uh, I ignore it and, I think for me, that has made it a little bit more palpable, (laughs) but we all, we all have our different ways of dealing with things, but I think it's important to figure out what is your way, what is the best way for you and go from there because that only, you know yourself well enough to, to make those kind of decisions.
2: Yeah. I mean, but but if you respond, like, what are you even going to say? Like sometimes it's just so. Because the thing is also, I, I have like arthritis and tendinitis in my arms. Non Like there's just, they're cyclically bad all the time. You never know what day they're going to wake up on or whatever. So I'm not trying to sit there and have paragraph long debates with someone. So you disagree with me. Okay. Like what, you know, the responses are not going to lead to, I don't know. I just.
1: They're not, you're not, well, you're not going to be dealing with someone who is looking to have a thoughtful conversation. You're dealing yeah. with someone that just wants to fight on the internet and is willing to say whatever because they're behind a screen. And so that's safer for them. (laughs) But most of the time you're not going to be dealing with someone that wants to have a thoughtful conversation and wants to learn something and wants to see if there's something you could say that they would find interesting or vice versa. That's not what you're dealing with. The only time I respond is if it's something like on Twitter, for instance, Mm. uh, that someone says like very, I'll give you an example. I love Luka Doncic from the Dallas Mavericks and when he was the Mavericks were playing the Warriors, uh, I had a one of the guys that I know from the Believe Podcast Network, huge Mavericks fan. And I had tweeted, like, hey guys, I love Luca, sorry, because I cover the 49ers. So most of my followers are big Warriors fans. And it became this thing between me and the Mavs fan and in a really funny way. And I, did a tweet when they went down three, nothing. I was like a few days ago. I thought it would be really fun to be a Mavs fan. As it turns out, it's really not that fun. So I don't think I'm going to be a Mavs fan anymore. Sorry guys. I mean, it was a joke. You know, the whole thing was like this joke that we had. And a Warriors fan on Twitter said to me, you bandwagon bitch, which first of all, was factually incorrect because if I was a bandwagoner, I would have been with the Warriors because they were on three. So, and on that one, normally I ignore that stuff, but on that one, I, responded and just said that felt uncalled for and that was like the extent of it but most of the time I don't respond but if it's something like that where I could maybe come up with like a little bit of a witty or pithy response Mm. I'll do it but otherwise I tend to just ignore but you know on that one I was like that really is uncalled for and why would you say that to someone
2: (laughs) yeah I like that it was like it was like I like that it's a direct short concise just why? Like that's yeah. super uncalled for. Get if you don't get the joke, you know, you don't have to say anything.
1: <laughs> exactly, and also, again, factually incorrect. The bandwagoner <laughs> goes with the winner, not with the one, not with the team down 03. So uh, it was pretty. It was really funny. So there's there's an example of
2: that. So that that's that's a thing that's hard in sports, though. As a, as a female broadcaster, don't you find it a little bit? Because I, you know, I think any time that there's a woman in a male dominated industry, it can be quite uh, exacerbate, exhausting. The audience can be a little bit exhausted because oftentimes they're so hyper-focused on that and hyper-focused on the gender. Do you ever, do you notice that Do you find that within these sort of messages and things like that?
1: At times you definitely, at times people will make comments and you know, if I were to say something wrong on the radio or on TV or even tweet a fact wrong, you know, people assume, well, she doesn't know because she's mm-hmm. a girl. I would say I've been lucky in that part of it, I think, is the team that I cover. We have an excellent beat and we have a very supportive beat. And so I think as a result of that, we're we're very supportive of each other, you know, privately in our work, everyday life. And we're very supportive of each other publicly on social media and all over the place. So I don't know if that's kind of helped in mm-hmm. that. There was like some built in respect. I think my, the job that I do should give me built in respect. And I think more than anything it does, but I've been somewhat lucky in that way. But there are, you know, many, a comment, many, a person who says something that they would never say to a man. And that is, you know, things that are completely uncalled for, but I've, try to just brush it off. And there's also this little part of me in a joking way, but that's been helpful for me. That's like, you know what? Then I'm doing something right and I've made it. Like if you're going to call me trash, great, mm. I've made it. If you take the time on Twitter to tell me that my take is trash, cool. Uh, and that kind of is like, all right. You know, and and uh, for me, that's just a way to deal with it because I won't take it very seriously because I know the job I do. I'm confident in the job I do. I have a, you know respect for my colleagues colleagues of the 49 beat and beyond. And so wh- I'm, it, I have not always in life been great about ignoring the negative feedback, but I've really tried to work on that. And I think the longer I've done it, the more confident I've become in what I do. And that really helps as well. All right. So we've come to one of my favorite parts of the get my job podcast. And that is, can you take us through a day in the life of Shawnee Suisa?
2: Ooh, what a fun question. Yeah, a day in the life, a day in the life. So usually I wake up, I, my, my wake up schedule is very varied, but actually, oh, what I have right next to me. So I have these new journals that I got from Habit Nest. It's like this okay. habit building um, thing. So I've been trying to create a morning routine. So what of I'll course. do is I'll wake up, anywhere between seven to eight. And then I go upstairs to uh, the balcony that we have upstairs in my house and I'll have like either a water with lemon or maybe I'm already onto my coffee and I'll do my journals. And then I'll look at my, I have a hourly schedule like a, like split up by like 15 minutes. I, I plan that every morning just so I know what I have to do. I'm not crazy on timing, but there are things that I have to do at certain times. So I really like to go to jujitsu in the afternoon at 1230. Okay. Um, I like... Lifting weights in the morning. So if I'm doing that, it's going to be anywhere between, uh, probably leave the house around like 9, 9.30. Okay. And then um, if I'm doing Muay Thai in the morning, that's at 10. So I'll do that. So it just kind of depends on what workout of the day is going to be really. Um, and I start working after I journal. Let's see. So let's see. So I do like 7 to 8, 8.30. I'm journaling upstairs, having drinks, coffee, water. Then I do um, Shawnee show work. I've been struggling Mm -hmm. because this computer broke down. So I bought my new one. So now that'll be easier. And that's usually just video editing, audio editing, things that I have to do. If there's anything I have to do for the Jewish Journal, that's then. Then I go work out, come back, eat a massive meal. That's Mm -hmm. usually my biggest meal of the day. I will eat like a giant bowl of just something. Okay. And then I come back to this space where I work for the next four to five hours, give or take. And then I'll go sit outside for dawn um, or is that dusk? what's the one before sunset dusk dusk i like to sit outside for dusk because huberman do you know who that is andrew huberman his podcast i do not so, so he has this thing where like you see morning light and you also see dusk light and it really helps your system with your your sleeping schedule and your rhythm and oh, it's something interesting. I, I have the worst sleep schedule like that's my it's so hard for me to get into any sort of rhythm so i'm trying to do everything i can and i've been doing this for a few months now my morning light my afternoon light and it's like been kind of game changing. So usually I'll go That's sit at that or I'll walk my dogs um, or just something outside during that hour. Uh, come back, do work, maybe go to dinner, do some sort of skincare type mask and then watch a variety of really violent action content. <laughs> OK, OK. <laughs> and then I usually pass out. I really like action movies or like TV shows, anything with spies, anything along those lines. That's usually like my nighttime and then I try and do like a gratitude thing right before bed, before I sleep, put my phone away and then try and pass out.
1: I love it. That is that is awesome. And I love all those pieces that you put in there and those like true self-care pieces, the gratitude, the morning light, the evening light that really do help take care of you in a positive way. So I love everything you just said.
2: If I could quit life and just take care of myself, I would love that. I'm, <laughs> I'm a huge like self-care person. I wish I could just be just doing things, not like working out all day, doing physical therapy, uh, meal prepping, eating right, putting on some sort of skincare thing, like trimming my nail. Like I wish I could just take care of myself, wash my hair, like do a uh, conditioning. I mean,
1: that would be, that would be amazing. But it sounds like you're doing a very good job of getting that stuff in there where you can. And that's, that's the key to it for all of us is finding that. And I say this a lot of this podcast, I hate that word balance because I don't think there's any real such thing, but you are finding ways to balance out your day for you and I think that's a real positive it's
2: so funny we were just talking about this on my show that the fact that there's no real balance so I had Jennifer Cohen on and I was speaking to her about that because there's this weird thing going around with like the work-life balance that people are trying to promote out there and especially when you're you know an entrepreneur or you're trying to build something it's so hard to feel like you're succeeding when you feel so drained trying to have the work-life balance. Mm-hmm. I I am unashamed about saying no to a variety of plans throughout the week because I know that it's going to mess up my entire schedule. I was supposed to go to this NFT conference next week in New York, but every time I go to a conference, it ruins my whole schedule. I fall behind on work. And then I haven't done my workouts for those days. And I just feel not ready to take on what I'm currently trying to take on. If I'm on vacation it's a different story, obviously, but there is that thing. And I, I think it's a negative, a negative, um, like concept out there that's floating around, which is this idea that you can't have work-life balance. Cause then people are so confused and then they get depressed. They're like, I can't handle everything. Of course you can't.
1: <laughs> yeah, no one can. And I think what you just said is really important to highlight that you do have to say no to some things and you can't do everything. And that's, it's really important to know that. And I'm glad that you just said that because that is, nobody can do everything. It's just not possible.
2: Yeah, it's, it's impossible. And next time you're at an event, pay attention to whether or not you really, really feel like you need to be there <laughs> because I always think ice. back to that, right? You. There's so many times where you feel like you can't miss something, but then when you're there this is missable. You know, like anything is really missable, but just paying attention to that will give you fuel the next time to be able to say no. And, uh, I don't know, fight the FOMO, if you will.
1: Mm -hmm. That's, that's excellent advice. What a fantastic tip. That's really good. And it's, it's a good lesson also in being present where you are and then being, if, and then if you're, if you're there and you can't be present, that says a lot and you probably shouldn't be there to begin with. So I think that's, that's a really good way to put that. Well before I let you go, which I don't want to do because this has been super fun, but before I let you go, we have to do five fun facts with Shani Suisa.
2: Woo! Five fun facts. Okay. Well I, well
1: we ask I guess the same we ask you the same ones every week. So the way oh. the way this started was it was something that I started doing with the 49ers players and, and we do it with them and they they get to say kind of whatever they want about themselves. But on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions every week which has been great because we get such different answers. So I will begin with, what is your favorite moment in sports?
2: My favorite moment in sports? (sighs) Okay, when I was a kid, I was at a Laker game. We used to have Lakers season tickets, Clipper season tickets. We used to go to all the games. We had Clipper season tickets just because they were better seats so we could go to the Lakers games. Like, it was so much cheaper back then. I can't believe we got rid of those. But anyways, I was at a Laker game, and this was the game that was – in the Where Amazing Happens commercial that Kobe filmed, one where he's like going like this as he's like running back. And I will never forget when he hit one of those shots. I was young, so I was I was shorter, although I probably haven't grown much since then, but I, I was young, so I was, I was like a smaller human. And I remember the second he shot that, and he landed that basket. It was the craziest sensation of my life. I floated. Everybody stood up so fast in the stadium, mm-hmm. like screaming. That it was crazy. The second it hit the rim, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everybody just stood, and I literally like levitated for a good, a good <laughs> few seconds. Like so dramatically that I remember it. I, I couldn't believe how electric it was. It was the most insane sensation. And I don't know if I would have levitated now, you know, I'm walking around, I was like 150, 160. Maybe, I, maybe they couldn't have lifted me now, but smaller Shawnee, she levitated. And that was like, that was spectacular. That was a moment I will never forget.
1: That is, that is amazing. What is your life motto?
2: Ooh, my life motto. There's a, I have a, I have a few that I've actually had for a long time, which is success is the ability to delay gratification. And it's like been a a mantra of mine since the same time as this one has, which is he who angers you conquers you. And I heard both mm-hmm. of those around the same time. I think I was 11 or 12 years old. My dad told me both of them. They came from these books and those two quotes forever and always he who angers you conquers you. will it hits me because if you let someone get to you, they've now won. I don't like to lose, you know, I'm not trying to let well, people win.
1: And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before it was social media. So I think exactly, that's, exactly the, the full circle moment. I also like uh, the other one. The success is yeah. the, success is the what success is delayed success. gratification or yeah,
2: saving. success is the ability to delay gratification. So you can think of this in a thousand different ways. For example, financial success. So if you can delay buying stupid things now, you'll be able to save and be able Uh to invest uh, uh, when it comes to health, right? If you can delay having that dessert now, which listen, I often can't, but you will lead to greater health success. So it's this idea of being able to delay that feeling. And I mean, the same thing kind of with podcasting and content creation too. Like you're going to need to be able to delay that instant gratification of getting that external validation when you're building your platform right away. It's not going to happen instantly. So you have to be able to delay that. And I think it's, it's like always been something in my mind. Like, okay, what do I, what do I want now versus what do I want in the future? And I try and focus on doing now things that are going to help me get what I want in the future, as opposed to help me get what I want now.
1: I love that. What is your go-to workout?
2: My go-to workout would be a, <laughs> I really love leg lift days. Like I just, I love lifting legs. I'm a big, I'm a big leg fan so much. I know it's so stereotypical female, but I just really like all the leg lifts. Like there's so much fun. So I would do like a, a hip thrust, then a Bulgarian split squat, then maybe some sort of fun functional like lunge variation um, where you're like doing the knee up and then some sort of abductions and adductions and... And I might hit Jacob's ladder for a few rounds. I love that thing. That would be like my, that's like my go-to, if you will. But I do love activities. So I love Muay Thai. I love Jitsu. I love yoga. So if I, you know, I'm like traveling somewhere, I'll hit up one of those classes instead. Usually like a, a yoga or a, a Muay Thai class if I'm traveling.
1: What is your go-to coffee order?
2: An oat latte. I love an oat latte. An oat latte preferably um, with no sweet – like no unsweetened oat milk because sometimes they will send you – uh, I have one called lattes. It literally felt like it had about a pound of sugar in it, and I like sweet things. So that's my one little stickler.
1: All right, and a book every woman should read.
2: A book every woman should read. The – oh, this one's – I think I'm going to go with the lying book from uh, Sam Harris. It's It's okay. such a like – Underhyped book. It seems so insignificant in the book world for some reason, but it's actually phenomenal. And it's a super easy read. You can read it right away. Even if you don't like Sam's other work, it doesn't really matter. That book stands alone. It stands high. It's strong. And it's great, I think, for women to read because it, it's something that just goes through why you shouldn't lie, but it also makes you feel like why you shouldn't be ashamed and why you should just be honest and why you should just be matter of fact with things and shouldn't be worried about telling the truth, and also how telling the truth will help set you up for the future because you're not having to deal with a bunch of webs and all this craziness. But I do think that, although I don't know if it's specific to women, I think guys should really read that book too. Everyone really should.
1: <laughs> I, sounds like it does sound like a great book, so I will definitely check it out. Shawnee, thank you so much for joining me today. Please tell everyone where they can find you.
2: I am on all social media platforms: on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Pinterest, Twitter, TikTok. I'm at Shawnee Suisa and I am at Shawnee Show on pretty much all the platforms. And you can also find me at ShawneeShow.com.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. This was a ton of fun. And if you guys like what you heard, which I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. We are brought to you by BetOnline. And with that, I'll talk to everybody next time. Bye, all.